0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome off the post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mangione. And how are you? Doing good. We have
2: two thirds of the show today that are it, that are mobile today. You and me.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much we can do about it. Um I'm heading to uh, Boston eventually for the Bean Pop and a bunch of other hockey stuff. So right now I'm chugging through New York, but I'm through the Hutchinson, which was my fear that I was going to do the show on the Hutch, and that would be a problem. So I'm I'm at, I'm, I'm out of the danger zone.
2: Okay,
1: and we have Michael. Oh, Mike.
0: Yeah, and I'm. Yeah, and I'm the luddite who's who's doing the the phone, doing the uh, the show on a on a landline, although it's a VoIP and not an actual landline. But somebody's got to be the anchor to the show, and that's me.
1: Well, both Mike and I are in the same state right now, not mentally, but but physically. So, <laughs> so, that's so, that's, so that's good too. All right, let's get started with Philadelphia Flyers who announced. That recalled again and my blanket statement is the nhl is not a developmental league and the flyers are treating it as such going against washington and with the centers they have this is an awfully tough task to ask this kid to come in now and sort of help steady the ship while they're they're having issues are they asking him to steady the ship other than other than
2: filling in a gap Though that's 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 the thing here you're I think you're you're looking at him and saying that, you know, the game is going to turn based off of whether uh, on, on Morgan Frost. And also, I'd add to the mix, you know, he's had a good stretch of of, of late. He, he's kind of been up and down. Um, the Flyers obviously made the decision in this circumstance to play Scott Lawton on the wing, which again I think he is far more effective playing at the wing position than than at center. Um, and in this circumstance, again. I think they look at it with Frost and say, hey, you have the opportunity here. I, don't, I think this is more of a case of I don't think the, the intention is for him to stay up for long. I think this, this fills a gap and that they are on the horn right now trying to find themselves an additional pivot for the bottom six there so that they can keep Frost down to play in a full scoring role at the AHL level. But that being said, in this circumstance, they are faced with what they have right now in terms of the fact that they're all, that they're all playing at center, and they were not happy with the way things were looking, especially with Claude Giroux at center. Um, even though the fly, interestingly enough, the Flyers' record with, with Giroux at center has been better. At the, I think they have overall maybe a better, rec- a little bit of a better record with him at center than at wing. Yeah. Overall, the, yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the performance of Giroux at center has been good enough, and in many ways that that puts them in a bit of a hole. So now. You play, you play Frost in a little more of a sheltered role with Pitlick today and JVR to give him at least, you know, on the left side, give him an, an offensive. Certainly I'd give him at least one off, an offensive weapon to play with. But my, my feeling on this is that Philly was going to have a difficult time anyway matching up with Washington uh, at the center position, whether Frost was up or not. I think you give him a shot. You give him an opportunity. I and mean, At the end of the day, the kid's not made of porcelain. You know, it's not like he plays one game. He does have a good, a good game against the Capitals, and all of a sudden he's going to be mentally shattered for the rest of the, for the, rest of the season. I, and I sometimes get that feeling from commentary about, oh, God, bring him up against Washington. It's a terrible idea. You're going to break him. No, you're not.
1: No, I mean, it's not going to break him, but it may not help him. Mike, um, Chuck Fletcher's had months to build this center slot. Other teams have been able to get some guys. What's your take on this? Well,
0: I, I you know because i 've been extensively studying what the rental market and what is available for before the february twenty fourth deadline and obviously everybody knows j g Paggio from the, from the uh, the Senators is probably the number one target in terms of teams looking for a center, and i don 't think the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher want to pay the price that it would cost to get Paggio from the Sens. I, you know, the only other guy I thought that, and I, I think this would be more of a fit for for the Flyers because he's a he's a bottom six center who's really good on faceoffs is Melker Carlson from the from the Sharks. Yep. I don't think he would cost a ton, and I and I don't I don't see you know like I mean I'm a big fan of Morgan Frost. I'm hoping for the success in his career. You know, I don't think he was overmatched when he was in the NHL previously but i don't think you can go to him and say we want you to be the number two or number three center when you're matching up against the washington capitals or the pittsburgh penguins so i don't think they're doing him any favors here but right now i think they're sort of sort of uh trying to sort of stem the tide until february 24th and see if frost can handle the role and if he can't then fletcher's probably going to have to dip into the market and see what he can get Precise.
2: And what's your, I agree with that? I yeah. agree with that, Michael. That's that's pretty much the tact I think that they're taking right now.
1: And what's the uh what's the latest on Carter Hart and his return? I um, haven't heard a date Hart, yet, Lance. have you?
2: Hart it, there's not an official Hart, uh, date yet just yet, but the the, the the general discussion is Hart is now they're now carrying three goalies at the moment, but get my expectation is that Hart will not be de- will not be act- may or may not be activated today. They're, pr- they're going to have obviously Elliott net versus Washington. Lion is still up as far as I could tell this morning, um, unless that, I got to double check. But I, I don't think he's been sent. I don't yeah, think yeah. line has been sent back to Lehigh. My th- I think the anticipation is we'll probably see Hart on Monday against Florida, most likely. Okay. Okay, that'll
1: be an interesting. It'd be for- Tim against Bob. That would be interesting. All right, so. Looking to the New York Rangers, uh, Chris Kreider is all the talk. I saw Larry Brooks reported that the Rangers are finally negotiating with Kreider or Kreider's negotiating with them. Whoever finally decided to step over that line. Uh, Brooks' comment was it's, it's a bit too late and it is late in the sense that you only have a couple of weeks to negotiate and, and my feeling is you know, Fighter could be the next captain for them, and he could be traded. Uh, you know, it's going to go one way or the other, obviously. But I think, enough, the age of 29, I don't think I could give him seven if I'm the Rangers. So I don't think he's accepting five. And so that's where I think the uh, the biggest talk is going to be about term, and then don't worry about the you
2: yeah, I think that's gonna. Kind of, I agree with you. I think that the term is is the key. This is this is your leg for, for him. And this is his legacy contract, obviously. And then if he right. he, his agent feels like he's going to get that that number elsewhere, then in all likelihood, I think we're going to see we're going to see Chris Kreider moving on from the Rangers. But um, so I kind of lean a little bit in the direction of uh, of what Larry Brooks is saying in this circumstance that it's going to be tough. I think overall for. Uh, for the Rangers to get to the number that, again, if you're his agent, I mean, if, it, it, again, it, it, it's going if to, if you accept the five-year deal, it's going to obviously be the dollars are going to be one that are going to probably be eye-popping for what you think Ryder can provide. Um, seven years, I think, is far, far more likely of what he's looking for at this case to carry him to, you know, the latter part of his career. Mike, what's your feeling?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get the feeling that the Rangers maybe strategically waited until a couple weeks before the deadline to sort of put more pressure on Kreider because I think they know that Kreider wants to stay there, and if you put the pressure on him late in the game, you know maybe he'll be willing to shave a year off the deal. I mean, I look at him and I say, you know, they'd like to, they ideally would like to get the contract that Van Riemsdyk signed with the Flyers, five years, thirty-five million, maybe a little more to A A P and maybe the rate right. go six. I don't, think go, I don't think they're going to go seven. I don't think they're going to go eight. But I think for a twenty-nine-year-old to go six, you know, that's I think that's reasonable. If if he if he wants that extra year, he's gonna. I think he's going to be traded, and I think he's going to be someplace else next year. And then in the end, I don't know if he's going to be happy. So we'll see. I'd, I'd say if he gets signed, it's going to be probably so the the weekend before the weekend before the the 24th.
1: Yeah, I I could see that. So let's talk, Mike, about the Leafs trade for Jack Campbell. It had far-reaching effects, actually, because that trade now, I believe, bottomed out the goalie market, and I think now it's more likely than ever that the Rangers roll with three goalies through this season and possibly now through the draft and just wait for Lunkwood's contract to drop off and get a two-year goalie to start playing in Hartford that has any cell experience. But talk about what you think about the goalie market and then Jack Campbell part. Well, I, I think you're
0: right in the sense that there were only two or three goaltenders who were under a million dollars and viable options for to lead. Georgie as we discussed on previous shows, he was a, he was somebody that the Rangers were looking for the return of a potential future fund. It was not something where they were going to take a couple third months forever more for Georgiev. They want probably, you know, a top prospect or an NHL player that can help them right away and I don't think the Leafs were going to give that and I don't think many people are going to give that up in the summer. I think that's something that is very possible and that's when that Giorgia is going to And the other option I mean, Ryan Miller is playing fantastic at 39 years old, but I'm not convinced he saved his no trade, modified no trade, to go to Toronto. So Campbell was a, was acceptable, Dubas him from Sault Ste. Marie. He, you know, apparently no, has known him since he was a young player. And Kyle Clifford, who they also got in the deal, was represented by Dubis when he was an agent. So it all fit together. But honestly, and Campbell played really well in his first game uh, last night against Anaheim, but again... The problem is not the backup goaltending. I mean, my, my, Michael Hutchinson was not giving them that save that they needed, and Campbell, Campbell did last night. But in the end, the Leafs were up three-one in the third period. They blew the lead. They were up four-to-three with a couple minutes left to go in regulation. They gave up the tying goal and only won in overtime. This team is incompetent defensively, and it, whether that's just a team defense situation or the fact that and the core is not good enough, that's up to the pace, but they can't, they can't hold
1: the lead, and that's the problem right now. I watched some of that game, Mike, and I i never felt, and I'm sure the Ducks never felt, like they didn't have a chance to tie up that game. And, and that's a problem when teams right. are going up against another team, and they feel like they're still in it, even though there's not that much time left, and they're down a goal.
0: Yeah, and, and Anaheim is not exactly a a, uh, a, a ridiculous great offensive club. They have some not you know, they're not a uh, they're one of the actually they're one of the more challenged offensive clubs. That's why the rumors caught uh, them trading Josh scoring uh, are out there. I don't think that's gonna happen, but they're not a great scoring team but you know, when Derek, Derek Grant scores the schools for you and you know, ties the game after have put them back in the lead, it's you know, it's it, it, it deflating. I mean, Toronto's got so much up talent, but everything is of the mindset of let's score, let's 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 counter-attack the other way. And you know, even in a game where I think that they were more of a mindset of let's not make a big mistake and throughout to pride, they continue to make bad offensive giveaways in the zone at the blue line where the worst possible situation, and they're not going to win anything until they nip that in the bud.
1: And what's your take on the looseness of the Leafs defense?
2: It's a pattern that, judging it from afar, it's been a a pattern and a mindset that the Leafs have been in for, honestly, since they've come back into being a a cup contender. I look at it also as a combination of execution, a combination of team mindset, late in games, maturity, especially for their young core. Um, And, again, it's one of those things that they will have to – at a certain point they have to get over it if they're going to be successful and get past round one in the playoffs. All
0: right. Well, as I – Yeah, and Anthony – Go ahead. Sorry. And Anthony, it's like yeah. I mean, I heard comparisons from somebody like Ray Ferraro who said they're like the Washington Capitals. You know, in the in, earlier in the in the last decade when you know you had Baxter and Ovechkin and you had them playing this wide open offense style. Yeah, I think, style, and I, I, and I think that's a fair compa-
1: I think that's a very very
2: fair comparison from uh, from Ray. I really do. That they're there. It's just a matter of you know getting that mindset and some of it. You know, you could see, maybe again you could point to. Coaching, in some ways, because um, again, when they, it seemed that when they brought in trots, um, they had a bit, They, they they, had, they, they, Washington had much more of a, you know, battle-hardened sense of themselves. Plus, again, they had gone through enough years where they had experienced enough heartbreak in the playoffs, enough Game Seven heartbreaks. The Penguins are to the were to the Capitals what the Bruins had been to the least, and there's a lot of comparisons. I think uh, that can be can be made here between those two between the two clubs.
1: All right. Well, as I head towards Danbury, Connecticut, let's talk a little bit about the New York Islanders. And they called somebody up from Bridgeport, which isn't that far now for me. And and that keeper Bellows, uh, Mike, he had a two goal game, the first of his career. I watched him the game before that, and he looked good. He got an assist. I don't think they're showcasing him. I think they're they were in need of his offense and physical play, but that's still not enough for the Islanders. Like, they still need a defenseman and they probably still need another bottom six forward. Right now, we haven't seen Lou make any deals, and I can tell you the Islanders fan base is panicking over that.
0: Yeah, I I think that the the call-up of Bellows, I know that we talked on the Buzzcast earlier this week that we thought it might have been a showcase, but... (laughs) They have numerous holes. I think what they, what they were trying to do is let's see if we can fill one of these holes with Bellows so we can concentrate on adding a defenseman because Pellick is out for the year or adding some grit on the bottom six because, um, I mean, I, I personally believe they, you know, they still need scoring, even with Bellows. Um, you know, I think he, he can be effective, and if he scores <coughs> at the rate he scored in his first game, then they don't need to worry about it as much. But I still think they could use some help uh, putting the puck in the net because they're not exactly a great offensive club. But you're talking about a team that has quite a shopping list or should have quite a shopping list if, you want, if they want to make a long run in the playoffs. And if they don't do that, if Lou is conservative and doesn't go out at the deadline and do that, then I think they're a one-round team. I think they could win a round based on the way trots. You know, has them playing defense, but I can't see them making a deep run. Being a team that's, you know, has Matthew Barzell and a couple players, and that's about it for offense.
1: No, I can't either. And Ant, I mean, what's your what's your take on Lou's measured approach? I mean, because of injury now, Noah Dobson's getting time on the bottom pair, and he looks pretty good yeah. at the end of the day. You do need some some fortification there, just in case, and you do just have to have a little bit more scoring, otherwise they could even get stung in the first round and nobody would be shocked.
2: Yeah. It wouldn't be a surprise for anybody. I mean, I, I know for me, in terms of looking at their pivot position, if there's a team that really seems like the most logical match for Pajot, the Islanders to me would be probably at the top of that list in terms of having, yeah. to, they really, I think he could cover for a, a couple issues there. Not just, not just bottom six depth, not just bottom six depth, but he could also give them a little bit of scoring pop as well from that area. So that I, he would be if I'm Lou. That's probably my target in this case. Just trying to figure out what you know what would work defensively. Um, I could see the potential going for if if they decide to make a trade. If they if Lou decides to go that route, Brendan Dillon, I think from San Jose, would be a logical match uh, to replace Pellick. I think you know, and he would give you he would give them, uh, I think, a really good rock solid defenseman that could help them match yep. up against some of the other teams, obviously in the East. Um, there's some wing options I think out there, but for me, if I'm looking at the Islanders, those are the two guys. If Lou is going to go out there and make it, make an acquisition, those are the two names that I probably would be focusing in on the most in Pajot and Dillon. Yeah, I think Islander
1: fans. Well, just uh, trust uh, your I know chest.
0: That... Russ, I know ahead, I know that the you know the price on. The price on Dylan is going to be ridiculous, and I'm not sure how, if Lou is going to be willing to get in, get into a bidding war for a rental. I I, I have, and this is just a, a feeling here. I have a weird feeling that the Islanders might be the home for Zach Bogosian, being a being a being a a, a, a native of the area and the fact that the sabers are looking basically just to get rid of them, that's the kind of deal where the sabers could retain 50% That's another of yeah. yeah and you bring it Yeah, I mean it it would be a cheap option. What? They're not I got to ask this platform. question. I got
1: to ask this question. Mike, When is the last time Zach Lagosian hung out in that area? It's been a long time.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, I, I I I agree, but I'm just I'm just. I mean, saying, I, just think concur- is, I think Russ. I think Russ has I don't hung out
2: there more recently than he has, right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, right. it's not, It's never too late to come home, right, Russ?
1: Yeah. Uh, sometimes it is, uh, but I guess if they couldn't get much, Boghossian, uh wouldn't be horrific. <laughs> I will also say that I did have a chance encounter the other day at the Wells Fargo with Chico Resch, and we did talk about the, uh, the old Islander days. He, he knew I was a Ranger fan. You know, we chatted about that. And, but we also talked about the atmosphere, how it used to be at Nassau Coliseum, compared to even what it is like at the, uh, the refurbished Coliseum and how it's not the same. So this isn't just like, Mike, when we talk about these things, like with stadiums when they get redone and everything – Like, this isn't just, like, older people, like, reminiscing about the good old days. This is just about, like, the Islanders have to rebuild that market with the new arena. And at some point, you've got to have the team to sort of match what the fans are hoping for.
0: Yeah, I can only tell you that, you know, the transition, this was over 20 years ago, the transition from the odd in Buffalo, which was, you know, Sabres fans loved to go to the odd because it was a there was a cacophony of sound it was just you were on top of the play it was a great building yeah. it wasn't a great building per se but it was a great building to see a hockey game because you were into it and the sound sort of echoed like the Boston Garden or like Chicago Stadium now at the you know fourth named KeyBank Center it's <laughs> and you've been there enough times it's really oh, it's yeah. really too jugger- many times sanitized. too many well, yeah it 's a sanitized uh echo chamber you know you n- you never really see the crowd get into it because even when they 're getting into it you can 't there's not that that sound aspect of it and and if that 's the case with Nassau Coliseum if it 's lost its luster because it 's not what it used to be then i don 't know whether you 're going to get that with the new building the the Belmont building because most of the new buildings they don 't have that that feel that uh, that that sense of history, or, or that or that uh, tingle that goes down your spine.
1: No, that's true. All right, so now let's chat a little bit about the New Jersey Devils, and we just saw them. And uh, I posted my own scrum workers. I was in a few of them, so I had a little fun with that. And other people <laughs> were were, were finding me in that. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, played a good game against the Flyers. He obviously shut him out. Fourth career shutout. I was saying to people that. We all marveled at him at the, uh, at the Combine years ago because he uh, just had these tree trunks for legs and was a physical specimen. And, boy, he even looks bigger now at his core for that. But he really learned how to be a goalie. I You know, I was getting some info from Abby Mistraco and, and she was saying how, you know, now they had basically taken him from being like this physical goalie that could beat anybody in the crease, hold on to a puck, not have any problems to being really good technically, and, you know, you probably saw and we saw one of the better games he's ever had.
2: Yeah, it was, it was an impressive game for him. It was it, it, The whole game was kind of at had, had a weird pace to it, uh, but yep. in terms of um, any real chances that Philadelphia had that were extended, which, again, despite the shot total, which looked impressive, in reality, Philadelphia didn't have any extensive uh pressure i think in front of blackwood for most of the game that being said any of the opportunities that did get next get in front of blackwood his technique looked very good it looked excellent uh, especially coming from post to post anticipatory angles finding the, the lanes and the seams. where uh if you know the flyers were trying to get a screen he seemed to see the puck extremely well in that game so Again, it was an impressive performance by a goalie who's got an excellent pedigree and and who was beginning to round himself into shape, I think, as a National Hockey League goaltender.
1: Yeah, Mike, two things hit me in that game. First one was, it seemed like there wasn't much of a market for Miles Wood and then he scored two goals where he really showed off his speed, so maybe now they'll they'll be able to trade him. But the other thing was being in the scrum in the locker room with Blake Coleman, I gotta tell you, I don't feel like he's going to get traded. I actually feel like At some point, he could be their next captain when uh, Andy Green's contract is up, which I think is next year. (coughs) Oh, no, it's end of this year. Sorry, he's the UFA this year. Um, So that's something where I think it's going to affect the market. And then, you know, both Anthony and I were told, hey, Palmieri and Green aren't going to waive their no trade. So it looks like they're off the market too.
0: Well, I I mean, this is the feeling that I've had for a
1: few weeks.
0: Regarding the Devils, I mean they're, they've been a seller or a potential seller, probably since American Thanksgiving. But with the situation now with Shiro being fired and, and Fitzgerald being the interim GM, I just can't see uh, Josh Harris and ownership allowing Fitzgerald to make significant moves for guys who have con- who have term on their contracts, like Coleman, like Wood, like uh, uh, PK Subban, unless he was going to be the GM going forward, and we don't know what the status is. So I think they're going to be limited to moving the guys who are UFAs, which is Botnan and, and Green. And if Green uses his no-trade protection to, to stay, that's, that's another factor. But um, I, I just can't see them having an interim GM who, they, who may not be back making decisions on players who could be there next year. I, you know, I, if I'm them, I keep Coleman. I mean, Coleman's, I think, got 20 goals. Uh, he's a, he's an effective player. Uh, I know would have yep. been disappointing since he signed the new contract. You would want them to stay around because you have to put some players on the ice, other than the kids that right. you have.
1: Right. Yeah. There's there's no doubt about that. All right. So, as we get closer to the end of the show, uh, and because I'm on the road, I thought it'd be fun to do a food take. So right now I just opened up a bag of pretzel-graving dill-pickled pret- pretzel. And I can tell you that I'm not a fan of the dill-pickled chips, but I think Mike is. I'm not sure what Anthony's opinion is on that, so you can talk about that first. Okay.
2: Um, I've had dill-pickled um, chips
1: before.
2: Um, I, there's The ones I had were pretty solid. It wouldn't be a case. I think it was kind of offered. I don't know if I necessarily would pick one out of, you know, supermarket aisle to purchase. But my experience
0: isn't, if it wasn't a bad one. I can say that. Well, okay, I I, I will give almost anything that's dill pickle flavored a try. I've tried dill pickle <laughs> flavored peanuts. I've had, i they, in Canada they have dill pickle flavored pretzels. I love I love the chip. Uh, I would give dill pickle flavored pretzels a try, um, but. You know, they're sort of hit or miss. Some of them do it really well. I have to say, I did, I did notice in the store a couple days ago that Lay's potato chips, who have had dill pickle chips for years, they had never put that flavor out in the party size, family size. Always some sort of promotional flavor that they would take off and bring back every once in a while. Now dill pickle are are in the party size and family size, so I think they've made they've
1: made the cut. And they're on the final roster. Okay, well, that's, that's interesting news. All right, so I opened up the bag, which, of course, it took me, like, three tries, but I did it. Um, the effervescence of Pickle is now everywhere in the car. So J.D. Burkle, I'll be driving later, is probably not going to be thrilled about that, unless he likes Pickle, but otherwise, it doesn't really matter. But again, you're not giving him much of
2: a choice in the matter here, Russ. It's going to be an either-or no. situation.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely an either-or. <laughs> All <right. laughs> I'm trying this pretzel. Hold on. All right, I gotta try it. It's so much better right. than just a plain pretzel. It's really good. It now to me, a dill pickle is the goat of pickles. The half sour is really just a cucumber in disguise. The dill pickle to me has always been the best, and I really like it. I have to say, this is a good product. Okay. So oh. happy, happy. You're gonna have to bring a me a. Happy ba- Russ driving,
2: you're you know. Gonna, we we did a happy Russ driving, so he's a. You're gonna have to bring me a bag when. Not distract, not not overly distracted, you know. That's you know by by disgust or anything along those lines. We want you to get back safe. So that's good.
0: All right. So you're gonna have, have to bring me a bag the- oh, when you wow. come to Buffalo,
2: yeah. Russ. Yes, I will bring you a bag.
1: I
0: said you're gonna have to um, bring me a bag I, when you come to Buffalo. Can
1: you bring me a bag next game? No, because this one will be done, and I don't know if I'll be able to get it by then. No, 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 it, no, no. I mean,
2: next time I'm at a game, the Flyers game, you bring what you get a bag, and bring one with you. What? When will you?
1: When are you going again?
2: Uh, I believe that not next Saturday, the Saturday after.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll probably be there. That's fine. I could obtain another bag by then. Mike, sure, I could yep. definitely bring you a bag too. All right. The last question is. Thank you. And I think he's close. I could be wrong about this, but. And does Alex Ovechkin get a 700 goal against the Flyers? God, I think yes.
2: Mike, I think yes.
1: Okay. Um, I thought he was at
0: like. I thought he was at like 697, so that would mean he would have to score a hat trick, and if that's the you case. Think, I, was a 698. No, I'm expecting... I was at 698? I was
2: counting for a two-goal game here. I thought he was at 698. Okay. Is he? So 698. I got a... Yeah, he's,
0: he's, he's at six ninety eight. So.
2: Yeah, so I, yeah. I think uh, he, I well, think he's definitely
0: the, capable the, of that today. Yeah, just for the sake of argument, I'll say no. I'll be the I'll be the contrarian.
1: Okay, um, all right, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes, but I'm gonna give one little quick story. In Ovetskin's rookie year, when he came through Philly, he um, I interviewed him after the game, and apparently he told me about a kid who kept booing him, booing him, booing him. Booing him mercilessly, during the game, saying he sucked everything else. After the game, Ovechkin <laughs> said he went over to him, gave him a stick, and he smiled and he goes, now I have another fan. And that's really how it's like that. <laughs> Even if you're yep. opposing him, it's hard to hate the guy. Yep, it's the truth. That's just his personality.
2: Big, gregarious Russian who's got a nasty, mean streak on the
1: ice. <laughs> yep. No doubt. All, all right. Well, that's it for the mobile, mobile all version of off- All right. That's it for the mobile Take care, version everybody. of Off the Post. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. Goodbye,
2: everybody. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered JumboCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy.